welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational and entertaining auto detailing podcast, hosted by Marshall Hill of Total Auto Solutions and DJ Patterson of Eco Green Mobile Detailing. Grab a pint and enjoy. Hey, detailers, welcome to another episode. Super excited, as always, bring you another really great uh, discussion, theory, chop back and forth, throw it around, and figure out what's best for you. We don't believe that detailing has a guidebook, has a handbook. You cannot read a book and learn how to run a detailing business. You've got to get out there, get your hands dirty, make a lot of mistakes, and just keep going after it. We wish you all the best in your detailing journey. And if there's anything that we can do here at the podcast to help you, then please, please let us know. If not, hey, thanks for listening. Leave us a review and uh, make it a great day. Welcome to another edition, Helping Young Detailers. And uh, we were here with Nick. Nick. Um, does LeBron James know your support and his soft drink of choice? or? Uh, oh, no. It's just a super soft shirt. So it's, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, I love super soft shirts. They're the best. Yeah. So. Uh, I don't wear a cotton shirt at all anymore. They're just horrible. you got to get that super soft Wendy shirt. Yeah, for sure. So I, I'm just – I'm a, if it's comfortable, I'll wear it around the house. So yeah. kind of taking it easy. This is the kind of time of year uh, for my business. We enjoy the fourth. We enjoy the holiday. And so uh, – you know, back to the grindstone tomorrow, but you know, been a nice little break here for us. Nice. Oh, so you took off today too. Yeah. That's a nice little treat for your team. Yeah. It's, you know, look, you have a business long enough, you learn the ebbs and flows and when your customer base, you know, wants a break and when they're going to take vacation. So, you know, three or four times a year, we get a nice break and, you know, it's, we're, we're heading into the hardest, hottest part of the year for us. So it's nice to get a break from the heat. There, yeah, uh, yeah. I think next next week here for us is going to be in the hundreds. Yeah, I mean it's it's it, it's really stifling here right now. Um, you know, we don't really complain about the heat much, but we'll get about a three or four week run here where things will get pretty tough. And it doesn't matter if it's humidity or dry. Hundred plus degrees is not fun. Yeah, I always hear the same thing. Oh, it's different. No, it's hot. Yeah, you know, look, humid, humidity's got its problems. Uh, 115 out here's got its problems. So, you know, we don't get caught up in that too much, but it's it's just one of those things. It would be the hot time of year. I, I haven't been to Vegas in this hot time. I've been to Phoenix uh, in, during the hot time. And and I was, I was sort of borderline. There was moments where I was like, you know what? I would definitely take this over the Oklahoma heat and humidity. And then yeah. there was a time that I walked on this uh, – I was going to a store, and I had to walk quite a ways uh, up to the parking lot, and that black concrete. Like, yeah. There's no way to get around 118 degrees when you're walking on black asphalt. I yeah. got into the store, and I was like, oh. I mean, you yeah. just felt it. It was burning. And Phoenix is about 10 degrees hotter than here, you know, Phoenix is definitely Phoenix and like uh, Palm Springs would be really your two hottest, driest, you know, parts of the country. 
Uh, Vegas, in all in all seriousness, we're probably very rarely going to hit 115, where you can have times in Phoenix where you're just at like 115 for a month. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's just like I said, it's it's a good break for us. The Fourth of July is a nice little time to think about every year in the middle of the summer. Hey, let's get a few days away. Uh, you know, get a little break from each other enjoy our families and, and, you know, kind of recharge and, and hit it hard. And again, we came off a really, really, really busy June. Uh, so it just happened to work out for us. That's great. So do you guys do things differently as a company during the heat uh, versus times that uh, it's not as hot? Yeah. So we, we have, you know, we're very, very fortunate that we have some instances where we can actually start really early. Um, so like three or four days a week, you know, we can, uh, we can start very, very early. Like I'll have guys that'll start at like four 30 and they can work kind of in the dark. The heat hasn't kicked in yet and they'll finish very early. The key when you work in the heat in all fairness is you don't want your team out there between like, one o'clock and four o'clock. You know, if they're out in the heat during that time, it's not going to be long before you start burning people out. And this is something we've talked about. So, so we can, you know, use this as a teachable moment. You also have to understand that this is very hard work. And I've told you before, my business model is not based on working guys 10 hours a day. It just isn't because it's, there is no keeping people around doing that. So, um, but yeah, we can start earlier. We can start when it's a little darker there, you know, we always know where the shade is to detail cars. Uh, you know, we don't, we're not really, we have a couple instances where we're out in the elements, like just direct sunlight, but in most cases, I've really built our schedule around protecting guys. Here's where you take the cars. Like we don't do the cars in the driveway. You know, one of the things I see mobile detailers do is they're like doing the cars in someone's driveway. I always thought that was incredibly unprofessional. Uh, you're getting all that brake residue and dirt, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I, you know, we can very easily put it on the street. So I never understood why we'd be on the driveway. So, and that allows us to find shade. And so, so we do a pretty good job of just navigating, staying out of the sun. I, I used the street, but I also used the driveway. Uh, when I went uh, full waterless, uh, when I went and did mobile at the beginning of the company that we have now, uh, I, I just did it in people's garages. So I didn't even pull the vehicle out. Uh, so did you do go into the barrel of the wheel and do all that though? Okay, so that, that's where we would be different. I mean, we're using pretty, yeah. pretty harsh chemicals. You know, we do the barrel every time. I, you know, you can get into some staining issues and and so again, I, it probably depends on what kind of model you're choosing. If you're just doing the face, the the part that do you ever get the complaints? Definitely, the big reason if you're a mobile detailer, a big reason not to do uh, a car in a driveway or in somebody's uh, garage is tire shine. Yeah, no matter how you well, spray it down, like <clears throat> you're almost always going to get in. I had a customer complain and call me uh, because when it rained, then they could see all these marks where I had sprayed down that little horseshoe and yeah. uh you know I didn't have anything that I stuck down and did all that but that was an interesting phone call and on that customer you know you start doing which probably a lot of your customers into those really super nice houses um they don't like that shit 
And no. they don't want to look out, and I don't blame them, right? You don't yep. want to look out when it's raining and see all these marks all over the driveway. So yeah, we we, we have some inst we have some instances where uh, this is just a good simple topic that hopefully people, young guys especially, will hear. You know, when you start going into real high end garages, high end like airplane hangers, whatever, that floor is slippery, mm -hmm. so you could actually hurt somebody if the tire shine gets on the floor. And, and you know, look, you don't see it. You didn't try to yeah. do anything wrong. We I had mean, a housekeeper slip at a customer's car. Uh, at a customer's house because of a tire shine on the car. And he said, hey, no more tire shine. Yeah, I'll give you an example. We, the reason years and years and years ago, before water-based dressings became even popular, you know, we were all using silicone. I was doing yeah. stuff for a customer that had a really high-end hanger, like an airplane hanger. And he basically, his staff told me, uh, you won't be allowed in here if you use anything silicone-based. So you can't use anything silicone based. It's, 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 you know, we just have too much going on in here. It's too dangerous. We don't use anything silicone based on, on this part of our plane. Gave me this big spiel. So I went to water based before it was even, you know, you can even find it readily. Um, you know, so again, it's, it's, this is one of those random things that you kind of always learn the hard way or, you know, somebody tells you something and you just kind of, kind of do your business the way you have to do it to, to keep your customers happy. Yeah. Uh, well, good little rabbit. That was a free thoughts right there. <laughs> they didn't even have to pay for those, too. That was yeah, with the episode. Uh, hey, so what's going on? Uh, I'll share a little bit of what's happening here. We're actually having to uh, change again for the second time one of our free pop-up trainings. We were going to be doing in Denver this coming weekend, but uh, talking with everybody that was going and uh, people there locally, Denver, um, Denver's not quite the same as it used to be. And so yeah. we went ahead and said, okay, let's hold on again. Um, not just for the COVID, which was the first reason we shut down, you know, didn't do it is because uh, a lot of Denver was shutting down. Auto wash in particular was going to have to shut down their detail area. Um, everything reopened, they back operational, but they got deemed again to close from the governor bars, restaurants, um, and, and not only to mention that, they're having a lot of chaos downtown. Um, we like to go stay downtown and go walk around 16th Street. There's certain restaurants we like to go eat at. There's yep. certain bars we like to go to. Um, and most of them aren't open. And what we're being told is most of Denver downtown is boarded up and has been raided and looted. So, yep. wow. Uh, not only do we not get to go because of, uh, you know, more COVID issues, but then, then to even think about going, but then half the stuff is closed up or boarded because they got looted. Wow. What an interesting time. Like, who, who would have ever thought, <laughs> who would have ever thought? The, the world is, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons, probably the strangest it's been in our business Thanks. lifetime. Uh, I don't want to say it's more difficult. I think that's that's always something we blow uh, we we kind of blow out of proportion in the moment every time. You know, this isn't unprecedented. You know, we've we've always had something take place. Nine eleven. You know, something crazy always happens. Uh, you know, but it, the uncertainty right now is probably at an all time high. We're hearing that 
certain businesses are sort of teetering on closure here. How meaning, those bars reopen? Uh, I th look, if landlords don't take the hit and just say, hey, it's rent free, then you're not going to stay open. It's that simple. If everybody works together and, and everybody kind of takes the hit together, everything can reopen. But knowing what I know about landlords and what you've probably dealt with in your life with landlords, uh, reasonable is not a word you would ever say about most landlords in the world, especially commercial real estate. So, you know, the uncertainty we're dealing with here, uh, we actually had a pretty decent 4th of July from my understanding on the strip, uh, you know, that this actually was busy. Now, it wasn't busy in comparison to what they're used to because we have occupancy rules now. They can only operate at 50% capacity. Uh, but the, the fact of the matter is there is travel into here. It's obviously not at any level that we're used to. The question's gonna become, we're hearing, you know, coming out of South Florida today, they're closing gyms, they're closing restaurants. They're, you know, we had some stuff come out of LA. We had, you know, you're, you're talking about something in Denver. You know, this seems to be a real follow the leader. You know, you start to realize how little leadership actually exists in the world and how much even people that you think are leaders become followers during tough times. And if our governor in Nevada and your governor in Oklahoma uh, start to follow suit, who knows what can be closed. But if everybody keeps their a level head here in, in Las Vegas, especially, we shouldn't see closure. But I am hearing rumblings that we think we're going to probably suffer the same fate as a Denver or South Florida, you know, mm -hmm. Los Angeles. I, I don't know. I mean, I think it'd be crazy to do that. But, you know, I've, I've thought this was crazy from the get go, the way it's all been handled. And, you know, how the hell do I know? I mean, it just seems like we're all just along for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, it's I, I can't get caught it. up in it. I mean, I mean, Marty, uh, this is what young guys and especially people listening to us need to understand. You can't get caught up in it. Nah. You just got, you just got to operate your business and you got to navigate around yep. the best you can. I see too many complaints at this point. I'm not complaining. I'm just reporting what we're hearing, but we're going to continue to operate. So I, there's nothing I can do. Uh, it's just a weird time. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Speaking of complaints, one of the biggest complaints that I see throughout the industry on a regular basis, uh, you could go into Facebook groups where they post somebody else's uh, uh, menu, or you could go uh, to uh, any, any type of conversation with a detailer, and detailers are going to a lot of times bring up other detailers, or they might bring up the local car wash down the street and and show what the, that car wash is doing to cars and why you should never go to that car wash uh, because it's gonna look like this or complain about the prices that other detailers are putting out or complain about uh, the customer prospects that are calling and having issues with uh, this shop that they're calling prices because they can find it down the street at a better price. Um, it always seems to be a complaint between competition and, uh, and who we are as detailers. So I think it'd be a really great opportunity then to start our new series with you on helping young detailers deal with competition. So yep. uh, when you think of competition and when you think in our detailing industry, right, 
a lot of those scenarios that I just mentioned, right? You're shaking your head. You've seen it. You understand that. That's a very, it's almost like a small heartbeat of our professional detailing industry. We have to be so boutique that then there's all these other people that are so competitive and it just creates such a mess. Uh, why do you think that uh, competition is so bad? Like we think competition is so bad in the detailing industry. Well, I, I think first of all, we've had a lot of, public figures in our industry over the years. And it's ranged in a lot of people that have come in and out of those public, you know, positions, whether it be with tool companies or chemical companies, or, you know, now with the IDA or, you know, whatever. Okay. Uh, we always hear conversation from so-called leaders about how we get the cheap detailer out of our industry. And so I've, I, I've always heard that conversation and I've never really engaged in the conversation. The fact of the matter is we're never going to get rid of them. You know, people are always going to do things for cheaper. People are always going to, uh, you know, offer a $20 wash or $150 detail as a story, you, you know, you relayed to me that, you know, somebody thinks that's too cheap. Uh, the bottom line is when, when I look back of why we're in these conversations, it, it's a lot of small mindedness. The bottom line is this happens in every industry. The detailing industry is not suffering from something that doesn't exist in everybody else's industry. It happens everywhere. You know, if you run a plumbing company, you're battling the same thing. If you run a, uh, you know, an electrician, electrical company, you're, you're battling the same issue. When you're dealing with things on, on a trade level, you know, uh, a skill level like, like detailing or plumbing or any of those types of things, the fact of the matter is you're going to have somebody that's willing to do it for cheaper. Yeah. Why? Why the consumption, I think, has always been the, the, the crazy thing to me, is why people become so consumed with it is one of the head scratchers to me. And I think that's something that if a young detailer is going to engage in that, they're going to fail. The best detailing companies that I know aren't in competition with anybody. They don't care what Johnny's doing down the street. They don't care what Stevie's doing down the street. They don't care what anybody's doing near them. They just believe in their, what they're doing as a business and they're going to go out there and market and sell and market and sell and market and sell. And they don't really give a rip about everyone else. And I, if you're not going to get to that point, business is going to be real difficult for you. You know, I don't really give a ton of thought. I mean, you've been to Vegas and you're like, Hey, do you know, so-and-so I'm like, never heard of them. How many times have I said that to you? They're like, Oh, have you been to so-and-so shop? I'm like, I don't even know where it's at. Like, I'm not saying that like, lying to you you and i are friends we went to dinner you're like hey you know do you know so and so over here i'm like never been there never been by it couldn't tell you what it looks like don't know what kind of work he does i'm just not consumed with it you know good luck to those people great you know you you, you started a business here's what i know we don't do business like they do business that's why i don't feel like it's competition our business model is not their business model and that's where detailers get in trouble they go to a training, as we talked about in our last, you know, series, and they try to do a business model that that person's taught a thousand other people. Well, some of those people are going to be in your city if they've trained enough people. So now you are in direct competition doing the exact same thing that Joe down the street's doing. So I find that a lot of detailers are doing what other detailers do. And so that's what gets them so upset. Well, I do, you know, when I do paint correction, it's different than him. 
but you still do paint correction. So you're going to have to find a way to differentiate yourself besides just doing paint correction. What else do you bring to the table? Because those are the conversations you're going to have to have instead of just saying, well, I'm better at it. Well, the customer doesn't know that. The customer doesn't even know what the hell paint correction is 99% of the time. So I think that's where we need to really start is why do people become so consumed, Marty? Why are they so consumed with the negativity that somebody else owns a business? I, I, I've never really understood it, to be honest. Well, I, so that's a great question because that kind of leads into what I think uh, the reason why detailers are so negative with competition. Uh, I think it's, we don't like to work as hard. Right, it's, you've already mentioned how hard of work it is. So we don't really want to have to work even harder to to get my customer, right? I'm already spending how much time polishing that paint. I'm already yep. spending so much invested into this and to this. Well, I really don't want this guy down the street trying to do it less to make me do what I'm doing harder and I've got to mess with that. Like, I, that's ultimately what I think. Right, like if I get down to the nuts and bolts of why well, I think a detailer doesn't like competition, that's it, right? Like when you pour water down a, uh, a uh, when water leaks out of anything, let's just say that water leaks, where does it go? It goes to the fastest place that it can find, right? Yeah. Uh, that's generally what we like to do as a sense of detailers. When we think we've got a honeypot, or when we think we're best at, and we're going to do so great at this we run to that as hard as we can and we push that we're i love what you mentioned paint correction right or we're gonna do this right and it defines our business well if somebody else is doing that well it's not as easy so i don't like okay. it right i want to be the only person out here doing what i'm doing and that's the easiest way to get business well that, that like you said there's so many other industries that deal with competition and if you think that you're going to be the only person doing the work in your area, well, you might be, but you're probably in such a really small town or you have such a small client base that you really don't have much validity. And I don't mean yeah. to be that harsh either, but sure. anybody that complains about anything, go look at Darren from 66 Auto Detail, a town of 1,600 people. And he's got four to five team members and he's got three to four detailing competition around him. Yeah. So it, he doesn't do the same thing that they do. He doesn't, yep. do it, you know, I'm this guy. He does everything. He does washes, he does vacs, he does full details, he does corrections, he does coatings, he does dealership work, he does this. Bingo, right? bingo. He goes all over the place. So bingo. I think, for me, when I look at it around the industry is detailers don't really want to work that hard at business. They just want to detail their cars and they want to be the best at detailing. And so when anybody else comes in that's going to compete for their best of detailing, well, then it's competition and how dare they charge less. So I, for me, that's what I think. I think there's a little bit of that in the industry of they just don't really want to work at all the other stuff. We just want to do what we're doing. And so when somebody comes in, eh, eh. Well, there's, there's a big ego in our industry that, you know, my detailing is the best detailing. 
Right. And the reason that they can charge so little is because they don't do it right like I do. Right. And so where does that come from? Well, it comes from the industry as a whole. Everybody thinks that, that their way of polishing paint is right. I mean, I, I've heard a very reputable person that I know personally who puts on trainings that does some of the highest end work in the United States and has a great shop. He said one of the stupidest things that I had to text him and say, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard you say. And we've been friends for 20 years. And I said, you telling me that you don't have the rotary polisher at your shop because it's not needed uh, is blasphemy. It's ridiculous because that's small-mindedness. It's because you sell Rupes polishers now and you're invested and you want to do business a certain way and all of those types of things. But he thinks he has the best way. He thinks he's found the best way. Good for him. Now, he's my friend. I'm allowed to bust his balls a little bit. But I'm here to tell you something. There's a big issue in our industry that young detailers are susceptible to, like people our age are susceptible in our industry as well. You see a lot of guys been polishing paint 20 years that believe that this game is about who polishes paint the best. This game is not about that. If you want to build a big boy business, nobody gives a rip how good you are polishing paint. It's an admirable skill. We're very proud of you. You want to build a big boy business? You're caught up in that conversation, and I think that's where this starts. The ego of the detailer. I can make the car uh, flawless, and you can't. And I think that's where, building upon your idea, we get to the next level of problem with competition, is that the, the guy always thinks, I do it better. And the, the customer's getting ripped off by so-and-so because I'm the one that does it the best in this city. Well, folks, a lot of people are good at things. A lot of people are good at detailing. Are there a ton of people in your city good at detailing? No, not statistically. They're not good at everything, right? Electricians, only 10 to 15% of electricians are great at what they do. The same thing goes for our industry or any industry. Only 10 or 15% of people are great at what they do in life. So I think it's the ego, Marty, that builds upon your idea where we're just so sold that our way is the right way to do it. And we can't fathom that the guy down the street may also do a good job, but do so differently. Uh, and I think that's the other root of this is that we're so, I don't know, we're so ego driven about how we do things in this industry. And I think your, your, your topic of business is the reason why. So many people don't want to have the business conversation, but they do want to have the skills conversation. And, and, and that's just a loser for me. Yeah. Um, I, when you think of competition, right? And if we're going to talk about uh, detailing competition in particular, yep. right? So let's dive into competition amongst detailers. And when you, right, you've been in business not only you know, with other people, but on your own now 10 years. Yep. How have you handled, you know, in different situations, how have you handled competition or how do you view uh, other detailers that are close or around in your city that also detail cars. How do, how do you handle it? Well, like I said earlier, I, I couldn't really tell you about a lot of companies here. Couldn't tell you how they do business. Couldn't tell you what they look like. Couldn't tell you, you know, what their specialties are, who their customers are. I, I honestly don't give it a second thought. Like, hey, I, I'm so busy worried about my business. And the things that we can improve and the things that we can get better at and how to get volume into my business. 
I, I really don't get consumed with what other guys are doing. The other part of it is I had a, you know, 12 year, you know, relationship with this industry before I started my business. Right. And a lot of people don't go that route anymore, but here's what it allowed for me personally. I got to work with some great shops. You know, I got to see how they did business. I got to see their negative parts of their business. And so the, not only the mental notes, but the things I actually wrote down, I started to find a fatal flaw in our industry, which is most of our industry is not scalable. Okay. It's, it's very hard to scale the traditional detailing model. So I started to look at the non-traditional parts of our industry and say, how do I get top dollar for maintenance? And then off my maintenance, I'm going to have a protection plan. Then off my protection plan, I'm going to start selling correction. So I actually went, went backwards into everything because I saw how hard it was to build a massive customer base based off correction. Now we do a ton of correction now, but the bottom line is I found a way to get into the marketplace to, to, to build a customer relationship. My, my competition wasn't doing that. My competition was talking about correction, correction, correction. And I came to the marketplace and I was talking something else. And so immediately I was different. And so here's the lesson that I think a lot of people don't realize. The greatest way to build a business is to not actually have competition. And if you built a plumbing company, an electrical company, doesn't matter. You can still create a way for no competition if you do business differently. And what people are going to hear when I say that is, well, I'm going to build these systems and I'm going to have this marketing program. All that stuff matters. But the bottom line is what I found was a niche in our business that nobody had talked about. A niche in our business that allowed me to develop relationships very, very simply and get massive amounts of clients on board with what we were doing. And so I think guys get in trouble with competition because they're doing stuff the other guy's doing to a T. They're doing everything that the other guy's doing identically. And so I just didn't do that. And so competition has never really been a thought of mine. Uh, there are certainly detailers in the city that I respect, uh, you know, a handful of them that I'm like, hey, you know, I do know that person. We have talked. We, we have conversed. We have shared clientele. Uh, we, we, we've helped solve problems for different clients. Uh, we've passed clients that didn't fit our business model, but maybe fit theirs a little better. Uh, but ultimately, Marty, again, and maybe you feel differently, I just don't think there's time to get caught up in that if you're trying to be successful. It, you know, those seem to be the worries of a, of a man or a woman in business that are trying to fail. You get caught up in somebody else's business, I, I think it's a surefire way to fail or not succeed to the level that you should be able to. Yeah, uh, so it's funny. I'm actually completely opposite. I consider every single company other than my own a competitor. And that's right. because any of my customers, their attention could get grabbed from Nike. It could get grabbed from Sprite, somebody wearing a t-shirt. Could be grabbed from the billboard going down the street. Could be grabbed from anyone. So the restaurant, the, the bar, it doesn't matter. I almost consider you my competitor, Nick. There you go. There you <laughs> uh, go. If you, to me, I go, if I consider everybody my competition, then 
there's no way I could ever be concerned about everybody. There's no way that I like, need to even think about other competitors. And I just need to focus on myself and focus on my customer, right? Because if everybody else is competing for my customer, then how do I get the opportunity to clean that person's car or sell them a product? So yep. I have to really make sure my own business is doing the right thing so that I can service my customer and I have to be worried about my marketing so that I'm getting enough attention from the customer. Yep. Once you start looking at that, I mean, I don't, I don't know how people spend so much time worried about everybody else. I literally don't. If you no. invest so much into yourself because everybody else is competing for the attention of your customer, then it just really makes you have to work a lot more harder. And yep. it goes back to my point about why I think people don't like competition. They don't really want to work hard. And I don't blame yeah. them, right? I would rather money just funnel in all the time myself. But it doesn't work that way. You always are going to have people that you compete against. And it doesn't matter if they're down the street or online or across the city. Like, yep. you're always going to have competition. So. What we did here locally when we started, we're doing our free local trainings. So we developed uh, a group called Detailers of Oklahoma. And this was uh, 2015, 2016. And uh, detailers would come in to free training. And uh, it would be from brands. Uh, brands like Sonax came out multiple times for free and trained any detailer in Oklahoma that wanted to come to our training, right? Uh, other brands came out. I spent a lot of time. Uh, my competitors that sell products to other detailers also would come to the training. Detailers would come that didn't buy product from me and were happy to be there to eat free food and receive free hands-on training. Now, in that group, we also talked about how if we all rise together, and it was the same, as the tide rises, so do all the ships. So yep. if we can all grow and increase the industry here locally, then we'll all rise. Well, unless you don't want to, right? Because right. if, if you're in water, and, and it's, it's, it's going up, what do you got to do? Well, you either have to swim faster, right? Yep. Work harder, or you need to grab a flotation device, yep. latch onto somebody else or something else to try and help you survive, right? Or grab onto the dock. Well, but that's not going to go very well. Because as the tide rises, if you're holding on to the dock and sitting still, guess what's going to happen? You're, yep. you're not going to keep going, right? So the other option that we were in favor of and pushed and encouraged people to do is, well, just go build your own fucking boat and make it the best boat that you can possibly do so that you can navigate the waters as we all continue to rise, right? Yep. So competition should not breed insecurity. It shouldn't breed, oh, no, 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 no. It should breed, okay, 
how do I take what's going on in the market and make my business available to the market? So if you've got somebody locally that is selling way under, well, why don't you hire somebody that can service a customer that only wants to spend X amount of dollars? Or just don't be concerned about it. Or just say, hey, those aren't my clients. You know, those aren't the people I want to do business with. And that's what we've done. You know, one of the, one of the biggest, you know, BSs in, in, this, in all these stupid business philosophies you read is that somehow every customer is your customer. Well, that's just not true. You know, not every customer can, can afford everything at Tiffany's. You know, not every customer can, can join the most expensive gym in the city. You know, not every customer, you know, can afford a, a, a freaking Ferrari. You know, there, there's different people to sell to different customers, different businesses sell to different customers. And one of the things that really I watch guys struggle with all the time is, is really twofold. A, I always ask a young guy who reaches out to me to tell me what their elevator pitch is. Tell me in three or four sentences what you believe. In detailing, let me tell you this, about 1% that we come across, young or old, can tell you a real elevator pitch. Because right. they want to go into some big, long, drawn-out thing about perfecting pain. That's not a belief system. That's a, that's a system inside your business. That isn't your belief system. It's not going to sell what do you in an elevator when you got 20 seconds to tell them about your detailing business. Yeah, and so number one, people don't understand their belief system. So if you don't understand your belief system, you can't sell the customer, right? How? How could you sell the customer if you can't? You don't even understand what you believe in. You know that's why we we believed in leading maintenance, protection, correction. I could tell people, hey, the most value you're going to get every day is maintenance. The second most value is protecting your surfaces. The third most value is perfecting your paint. Boom! My elevator pitch is done. My belief system is concise. I can explain it to anybody on this planet that owns a car. That's number one. Number two, they don't know who they want to sell to. Oh, I just want a guy that has 15 McLarens. What well, we've told you on this channel before, that's a real tough nut to crack, okay? Not saying don't go do it. Not saying it isn't possible. What we're saying is, that isn't something you can do right out of the gate. That's something that develops over time as your connections get stronger in, the, in, in your area. The bottom line is, if you don't know who you're trying to sell, if you don't know your belief system, then everybody is your competition. You do feel like you're battling the $8 car wash. You do feel like you're battling the, the, the $50 detail. But here's the bottom line. I don't feel that way. Because when I watch cheap detailing in my area, and I, and I, you know, we had an incident happen six, eight months ago like this, where we watched somebody detail someone's car. I happened to be at the customer's house. His next door neighbor's getting subpar service, okay, by our standards, which is fine. They come out and talk to us because they see us detailing a car. I just happened to be there. Here's the greatest thing. Within two minutes, I knew that guy wasn't my customer. You want to know why? Because I don't do people that talk to me about price five seconds in. It's not the guy I'm looking for. I'm looking for the intelligent customer that asks questions about our service and about third or fourth or fifth on their list is, all right, appreciate you answering all my questions. How much do you charge? I already know doing this so long, I'm not looking for the price shopper. 
but there are plenty of detailing businesses that make a lot of money that do really well with the price chopper. I got nothing against those people. I don't want to do business with the penny pincher. Not, not the type of person I like. And it isn't because all my customers drive Ferraris. That isn't true. There's a, there's a consumer I've told you about privately that I'm looking for. A certain mentality. And I've always said to you, we had a conversation last week. My, my exact quote to you was, I'm looking for a type of personality. You took it as I said, I'm looking for the most expensive car. And then I caught myself and went, hold on. Wait, you didn't say that. You said a person. Yeah. So here's the great thing. When we talk about competition, understand your belief systems where you can actually say it in a few sentences and understand the type of human being you're looking for. If you pinch pennies in your personal life, then you better go find the penny pincher to do business with because that's who you are. Yeah. I'm not a penny pincher. I don't buy a bunch of stuff in my life, but when I buy it, I buy quality. Okay. That's what I do. So that's the person I enjoy doing business with. And I understand, I understand that person, but I see guys who are trying to find the cheapest of everything in their personal life. And then they want to do business with somebody that's extremely wealthy that doesn't think like that at all. And guess what? Your service is never going to match up. It's never going to match up. So it's so funny that guys and gals out there starting their business, they don't want the penny pincher, yet they're a penny pincher. Well, wait a minute. Instead of running away from who you are, design your business to do business with people that think just like you. That may be a way for you to not really have any competition because you actually understand people that you're doing business with. I don't necessarily understand everybody's wealth that I'm doing business with, but I understand their mindset. And so the way we do business, the way we present ourselves, the way we do everything shows them that we care on the level that I would want to see from people that I do business with in my personal life. All right. So your suggestion basically that's uh, capture that all into one thought is basically uh, you are not concerned about your competition because you're so focused on your customer and the specific customer that you're looking for that it doesn't matter what anybody else that's a competitor is doing for somebody. And it's not, and, and you can't make it car related. That's the other thing. So many guys want to work on a Ferrari. I get it. You get it. Look for the person first and then that stuff will develop. You know, again, if you're a detailer, you're never going to be able to compete with the car wash. You and I have talked about this. Why do we hear about the car wash so much? I mean, we're not going to compete with them. It, it, it's, it's, you know, on their way to work. They're going to pull in. It's going to take 10 seconds. I mean, we're not going to compete with it. So th this is going to be an interesting series as we dive into this. I think having these discussions, and again, it's probably not going to be as structured as our other ones because we're going to share thoughts. But I want people to realize, if you don't know what you believe in and it's not concise, failure is pretty close by. All right, man. I like it. So uh, as we move into this series, uh, we really hope that uh, guys will get a lot out of it. I think that we're going to hit on some really key points even today. I mean, there's a lot of really good nuggets uh, for people to dive into and we think of competition. And so what I suggest as we move forward through this series is we constantly continue to think of competition and understand that competition breeds growth. 
And if it doesn't breed growth, then that means that you're shrinking back away from competition. And then that might mean your business isn't growing. So we got to think the competition in our marketplace should bring growth, right? No matter if you think of it the way Nick thinks of it, no matter the way I think of it, or whoever that you follow thinks of it, competition will always bring growth. As Nick has said, our problem isn't competition in a sense and other detailers and what's going on. Our, our, our problem is not enough cars in our marketplace and in our industry, right? 100%. Overall, it's the biggest problem that our industry has, and it's not competition. It's lack of customers and lack of people. So yep. thank you for your time. Where do people find you on social? Vegas.rides on every platform. Uh, we get a lot of feedback. And so, you know, as we get into some real talks here, reach out to us, guys. If you have legitimate conversation to be had, an opinion, a question, anything that you think, hey, I need some help with it, I want to share it, Marty and Nick are idiots, whatever it is, uh, you know, we're willing to have a discussion. And I think we've started to see some traction behind the scenes with different companies and people reaching out to us that, that shows us hey, we're onto something here. And, and it's just about a sharing of information, not necessarily right and wrong. We want to kind of get that out of the industry, uh, this right and wrong, black and white thought process. We really want to be more gray area uh, is where we want to live, where there's a lot of pliability to ideas. So feel free to reach out. And uh, if we can help in any way, nick at vegasrides.com if you want to send, send a longer email. And uh, hope everybody's staying safe. I mean, we're still in kind of that weird moment here. Still in that weird moment, uh, like I said, we're, we're going to hunker down, I guess, this weekend and not fly to the, uh, the uh, Mile High City. Uh, yeah. Because I'll stay in the plains. And, uh, <laughs> <get> best. <laughs> yeah. All right, brother. All right, man. Stay safe. All right. <laughs> wow, what a great episode. Detailers, are you loving these episodes or what? Hey, you know what else you're going to love? You need to hop onto the community pub and have a beer with other detailers while we sit around and chop it up, right? This is a super relaxed, fun atmosphere, literally like you're hanging out at your house, drinking a beer with a bunch of other detailers. So if you like drinking beer, you like getting info and chatting around back and forth with other detailers across the country, hop onto the community pub every Wednesday at 730 7.30 Central, that is. So go to Zoom. You can go to it on your mobile phone or on your laptop or desktop, right? Go to Zoom. Get into the meeting group ID 918-800-1188. Wednesday, 7.30 Central. Come have a beer with the community. Ooh.